Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's me, your host, Damian Mason. I'm coming to you live from Savannah with the National Agricultural Aviation Association Conference, where I was just the keynote speaker for their kickoff breakfast, and I'm on the trade show floor now with Mark Kimmel and Darren Pluhar. This is the existing president and the incoming president of this association. We're going to talk about the industry of agricultural aviation. We're going to talk about what happens, what changes they are seeing, the regulatory environment, their outlook on the future from the air. Remember, we always talk about giving perspective. These guys are giving perspective from over the fields of North America, so it's going to be a great dialogue. Before we get to our friends Darren and Mark, I want to remind you that the Business of Agriculture is not just an audio podcast, it's also a video podcast. Go to the Damian Mason channel on YouTube. Go to YouTube, type in Damian Mason channel, and there's a playlist for the Business of Agriculture and the Do Business Better podcast. Please subscribe while you're there. Uh, I would also like to remind you that this episode is brought to you by my good friends at Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a software solution that works as hard for your agricultural enterprise as you work. You know, it helps keep all your inputs and your outputs and all of the dollars and cents that go along with your agri-enterprise straight. You've moved beyond a piece of notebook paper. It's time to use a software solution that works for you. Check out HarvestProfit.com. All right. Darren Pluhart, Mark Kimmel, thanks for being here. Thank you, Damien. Good uh, to be here. All right. And then uh, we got, you're from Montana, eastern Montana. And uh, tell me the town. Operate at a little town called Ekalaka, Montana, very southeastern corner. All right. And you cover, your area of coverage is? It's about a roughly 60 to 75 mile radius. Uh, I do operate a little bit in North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming but primarily in the four southeastern counties of Montana. All right. And then Mark Kimmel, you are a Delta area of Mississippi. Tell us the town and your coverage. It's uh, Itabena is the name of the town, and uh, it's just outside of Greenwood in the Delta. And I cover a maybe a 15-mile radius where there's a lot of, a lot of egg plants. I far. don't go far, and there's a lot of us. Okay, so uh, you're saying, all right, what part of business stuff? Like I said, I think it's so neat to talk to different aspects of the industry because while we have people that listen to this podcast that might be in the cranberry business, the food processing business, the beef business, they maybe don't really think a lot about what happens from your perspective. Um, I had the executive director of the National Ag Aviation Association on in June, and we talked about acres. Um, Off the top of your head of the... 350,000 cropland acres in the United States of America, and then we got some forest and you know, viticulture and all that. How many of these acres get flown over by people like you? Well, we you're talking about in my, my area alone. Oh, in your area alone? Yeah. Nationally. Well, in my area alone, uh, I mean, we in my 15, probably we cover 40 or 50,000 acres, but we repeat those acres with the cotton, the crops that are being grown. We'll fly over those three or four times right so you're you know, going so over the same acre multiple yes, times because multiple the type times. of crops sometimes Correct. require more than one treatment right how many acres you cover mr aaron well it depends on the year but anywhere from you know we've had the years where we're down to twenty thousand to maybe 30 40 50 000. Uh, my season's very short six to eight weeks 
at best a lot of times the the bulk of my season it, it spreads out from april through november but then i also travel when our season's slow late summer and try to pick up 20 25 30,000 acres in all right, so let's start at the beginning. I said uh, one of my questions is going to be, tell us about your business. All right, so the person that says, okay, I understand uh, I understand agriculture. I understand you know, what these people do, but you guys are not the farmer. You're not the retailer. You are a service provider. Uh, you started in 1989. Take me from there. How to start? Well, I told you last night, I actually I grew up on a farm ranch, and uh, my, my dad flew egg, my brother flew egg. I worked in the business. I was one of the human flaggers out there running fields and, and dodging airplanes at an early age. But in the 80s, and due to the egg economy, I actually went to college to be a civil engineer. And after a year, kind of realized that wasn't a good path for me. And so ended up pursuing, uh, went to a flight school that specialized in egg aviation in, in Minnesota, Crookston, Minnesota. And that's what caught me going. And I got out of there in 1889, went back. My brother flew, and uh, so I creatively financed my first airplane, a Cessna Husky. Creatively financed means you, you had a diner's club card? <laughs> um, it's it's uh, uh, relatively induced, put it that way. You know, had had generous family members that helped me out there to okay. get me going. So what? Okay, how much, is the, how much did you pay for your first plane? $45,000. $45,000. All right, so there it was 31 years ago. You're a young guy. You started doing this. Um and now today, what's changed between then and today? 30 years later, lots has changed, but principally about well, the business. Well, that airplane, even today, and it's uh, it's a 79 model airplane, so it's 41 years old, is worth roughly 120, 125,000 average. You know, it's very few things like that appreciate. But we're looking at the floor here. Some of these models, your average models, you're probably in the easily one to, to one and a half million. Um, as a ballpark figure. Okay. All right. Mark, tell me about your business. You're down there in Mississippi. You don't travel as far. He's going, he's going all over the place to pick up acres. You pick up acres closer to home and do it multiple times. Is that the way it was 30 or so years ago when you started out? Uh, not as much. We, we, were, um, we were spraying yesterday, actually. And, but we fly out 12 months a year now. But uh, 30 years ago, we would start in March fly a little bit and then end up in october so it's 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 more we're flying more uh, later into the season and starting earlier in the yes season. uh more burn down more fall burn down you know round up the 24d uh pre-merge dual or something like that um by the way if you're if you're not familiar and you're listening to this because we have all sorts of listeners uh he just named it product names and yes burn down <laughs> tell, tell these people what burn down means it's, it doesn't we, mean you're lighting things on fire right we're, we're 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 spraying the ground and killing the weeds that are up and we're putting a pre-merge to stop weeds from coming up so it's more we used to use the farmers i farm also we used to use uh, disc and in the implements on the farm, and now we're it's it's being we're farming by air. Actually, Far, farming by air, and you're right. going over the ground less, which means we prevent right. compaction, and we also save more fuel because you can fly over the stuff and, and not have to uh, run the tractor. Over exactly. The exactly. Okay. Uh, what do you think? Your why do your customers hire you? In my case, I've been in business since '86. Uh, I started young. My father had a flying service. I branched out on my own, and. Um, they're my friends. Okay. When, and, and where we are, it, there, there's probably six flying services in my county 
which is 30,000 people. It's just production, production, production. And we're like a, a beehive there with airplanes. We're all on the same radio channel. We talk to each other. I'm flying uh, Darrensville. So everybody knows where I am. And so we, for safety reasons, and it's uh, it's just crisscrossing, especially in, in June, July, and August, there's just a as I said, a beehive of airplanes. So, so but they're customer, my friends. Your customers do business with you on a relationship, but more importantly, uh, they wouldn't have to do. I, I, I get the sense that you're doing more stuff aerially in Mississippi than you did just ten years ago. Is that true? That's correct. Okay, so they're doing it because of labor saving. They're doing it because of efficiency. Yes, 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 and we have to do a good job. But I guess what I was getting the point I was getting there's plenty of airplanes, but in my area. Uh, competition is not we're not really competitors i mean we don't trade prices we don't do that stuff but it's if if, if you do a good job for your friend your farmer your customer they're going to keep you and yes we are flying more to save cost it's it's because i farm myself it is some something just more economical to do by air got it why do your customers darren hire you i know it's because you you're a good salesperson all that but what what do they get out of it well, the one thing that's changed over the years is um, in 1989, that was about the time that CRP came in. And as I mentioned before, I'm covering an area right now that used to be covered by five or six operators in the 80s. And it's interesting, the contrast to Mark, I rarely see another egg plane in my whole season in my area. If they are, they're two things. They're either lost or ferrying through, going somewhere. Okay, so yeah, you're out there in eastern Montana. You're you're not a beehive of activity. There aren't five other operators in your county. The counties are six times bigger there than they are in Mississippi also, and you don't see another plane. Pretty much. So are you telling me that the reason your customers hire you is because you're the only show in town? <laughs> Well, you would think that, but it's not. It, it, it's also changed from the fact that, that you have different type of customers. Some will hire you religiously year in, year out. But now we're seeing more of, we don't have co-ops out there per se that run their own commercial ground rig operations, but farmers are investing in there more. So then there's the customers that hire you when they need you because they can't get across it if it rains. Um, another big contrast in our area, Mark gets 52 inches of rain a year. That's four to five years worth in my area. So it, it varies with precipitation. Um, our ratio, the other thing, why we ferry so much is it's, I don't know exactly. I'm going to guesstimate it's probably a 20 to 1 ratio of rangeland to farmland. So it's just pockets of farmland, but you fly across a lot of pasture to get to the areas of, of farmland for the grains and the crops. Um, we do do a little pasture work, but it's not really widespread. Is it harder for you to make a living today than it was, say, 10, 20, or even 30 years ago? <clears throat> In certain ways, yes. Just because of the the less cropland and farmland, and because where you are, some ground went into conservation programs, and you don't need to spray yes. uh, prairie grass or uh, uh, you know tree plantings. Yes, it's an education process. You go to other states. I've been there. They they spray pasture like they do their crops at least every one or two years. In Montana, it's it's a lot of the applications we do are, are once in a lifetime, or they last for many many years at a time, and so it's it's not a repetitive business. All right, Mark. What's the difference now about the business today than it was uh, in 1985 and then again maybe 10 or 15 years ago? Well, I, it's easier for me now to run my business. Because well, uh, you're, you're a seasoned veteran. Yes, I think that's part of it. But also they are – it's like we're being used. I mean, I mean the, the plane has its 
uh, value now, and and it's it's going to be used, and so we 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 can we know it's going to happen, and you know we know it's time to fertilize and we know it's t- and we're going it's going to happen so it's easier yes all right so let's talk about the economics of this because this is after all the business of agriculture podcast and i want to get into some numbers i'm out there at my farm in indiana and i see these planes and they land at the huntington indiana airport in fact one of the audience members today just came up and said i use your airport when i'm treating acres down there and i said sure because he's from about uh, 70 miles north of me um <clears throat> i see these planes and then I, I talk to the, because uh, a lot of times your customers are not the farmer directly. It's the ag retailer, right? The retailers hire you. The retailer gets hired to aerial applicate. And so who's hiring you, the farmer or the retailer, or sometimes both? Well, in my area, it's the farmer. Okay. And, and the retailers are second. Okay. They're, 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 I, no retailer hires me. Do you get hired by retailers? No, it's all through the farmer. I sell my own product, and, uh, yeah, there's hardly any retailers. Okay. I get the impression that around me some of it's going through ag retail, and they just say, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're, you're going to ag cooperative or whatever your company's name is, uh, treat those uh, 300 acres, and they do it. So here's the thing. I see these planes flying over my property, and I'm like, all right. You know, they're more expensive than a car. Uh, you said some of these planes are over here in this trade show are a million and a half dollar pieces of equipment. A 40-year-old one, you told me, was still worth one hundred dollars or $200,000. How do you pay for this equipment and a guy sitting in there in the cockpit that is trained at $7 an acre? Interestingly enough, like my second or third season flying is, is the most acres I've ever done in Montana with a Cessna. You know, what has happened is we're not really doing more acres in my area, but the window has shrunk, so we have to have bigger equipment to do it. But then again, we can't, I I couldn't justify going out buying a turbine aircraft and just make it pay in my area. That's why I travel, because our season's so short. And uh, you were talking about what Mark gets for applications different than mine, and and there's a little bit of competition, but mainly it's our operating costs are a lot higher because our production is so much lower due to the ferrying and type of flying. You you charge less than that per acre, uh, and yeah, I know you you spread it out over acres, but it still seems like it's an awfully inexpensive invoice for what you have invested. It's very cheap. Yes, it's very cheap, and uh, obviously it pays. But it, it, it's, as far as the farm is concerned, as I said before, I farm. It's probably the if you look at Mississippi State numbers, which I'm a Mississippi State graduate, ag economics. Uh, you know, just to run a, a disc across the field is like six dollars. You know, and 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 I'm I'm charging five fifty. Yeah. You know, so I can and I can get it done faster. Yeah. And we're killing insects, and we are. Uh, but anyway, you, to your point of money. I think it's just uh, you look at the number. I don't look at acres. I look at gross money. I look at uh, I use my education, economics, and if you if you if you have to gross more, you're going to you're going to charge more. The pilots make really good money. I've got two young pilots in their twenties, and you know I would have loved to have made that much money well, we're halfway through my year. I mean, here. What, what does your pilot make? They'll make, I've got two, they'll make around 150 a piece. Okay. That's a very good living. But they are, it sounds, it is very good when you're in your 20s, but they it's are. Pretty good, it's pretty good for some people when they're in their 50s or 60s, too. But they, we, we, we get to work at, it's what you know, it sounds great, and, and, and it is great, but 
we're at work before daylight at least 10 months out of the year and we leave at dark yeah and in mississippi delta you know that's that's 4 30 in the morning till nine at night yeah and it's you're putting your life on the line you get paid for risk in america and in, in my if you if you risk more you have the potential to gain more so they're 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 risking their life go ahead there's a big difference to mark how many hours average hours in a season you put on your airplanes we're flying uh 900 a piece okay in my area 400 is really good year so hours per year uh you're putting 400 on and he's putting more than double that on because of seasonality etc etc uh all right, there's less chemical companies today than there were when I was a kid. You know, you can go back, Seba Geige, uh, Stauffer, uh, American Cyanamide. I could name all of these, mm-hmm. and, and you probably could as well. Today there's four big chemical companies, and then there's another four that are probably in that tier two, the valence of the FMCs, I guess I'd say, and things like that. And then, of course, you get your generics. But there's a consolidation among all of the inputs, meaning the stuff that you apply is our agricultural inputs, and there's less manufacturers. Has it impacted you? Yes, in one extent, because used to be we'd see them all the time, and I rarely see my chemical reps anymore. And because I'm selling the product, it essentially I'm doing a lot of their work for them. I'm doing the sales, and that has changed. That's been a big deal that I've seen even in the last 10, 15 years because of their consola. They've got huge geographical areas. A lot of my chem reps operate the majority of two to three states. That, that's the ground they have to cover. What about you? Has it changed, any, has it changed how you deal, how you work? No, uh, we... I don't sell any products other than the service, and so there are chemical companies, you know, all in my area, and uh, they their main competition is generics. Right. I mean, that's and that's that's what has, and I've seen the price of name brand chemicals come down because of generics, and but I, I do not sell any myself. We're going to get into uh, a couple of other questions about your customer base, and then we're going to talk about regulatory environment and your outlook in the future. But before we do that, I want to remind everybody that this episode of the Business of Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is the agricultural enterprises software solution. It'll help you become more profitable. You can get a free 14-day sample by going to harvestprofit.com, and you can see this wonderful company that Nick Horb founded and what it can do for you. Also, I'd like to remind you at this midpoint of the podcast that milk is an amazing product i'm not talking about that crap that's like oat squeezins i'm talking about milk from real cows real milk from real cows because the georgia agricultural commodity commission for milk would like me to remind you that it's got nine essential nutrients in every glass of milk including vitamin a and vitamin d which research is showing helps your immune system is a pandemic a good time to shortchange your immune system i think not drink milk okay the crops that you cover, tell me about it. You're out there in eastern Montana. What are you go? What are you seeing when you fly and look out the window? In my area, mainly are we're dealing with wheat, both the winter and spring, hard red winter wheat and spring wheat. Um, I do alfalfa pasture. I we are seeing in the last 15 years we're getting more alternative in in there. But the problem is a lot of them I don't do much. I put a little bit of Roundup on corn. Um, our arid climate, we don't have a lot of disease yet, and so there's not a lot of fungicide, straight fungicide work. Um, so the stuff the, you're spraying over wheat is? 95% of my work's herbicide. 
And even when I do fungicide work, it usually goes in the herbicide. Unlike Mark, my guys pay for one application a year. Right. And they want what I put fertilizer in the tank and whatever they need. It's rare I go across the same acre twice in a year. So 80% of your business is wheat? Depending on the year, 70, 75, yeah. Okay. Wow. What are you doing down there? Cotton. Cotton. Rice, soybeans, and corn. A little bit of wheat. Just a little bit of wheat. Our wheat, peanuts, potatoes. Very small. No, no potatoes. No. Uh, pecans, tree crops. No. Nah. Nothing. Nothing. We're Nothing. cotton. Back to your previous question about acres covered on a national basis. Aerial application covers, depending on the year and stat, about 23 to 25% of the ag acres. And that does not include forestry. We do a lot of work in the forestry industry as well. Um, so I just that probably means more to your listeners. Yeah. So the number of acres that you're covered is about 360,000 um, cropland acres in the United States of America. Then you've got some forested stuff that's uh, a crop, and then you've got even viticulture and uh, you know tree nuts and things like that that are covered. So we're covering about one fourth of those get covered by an aerial applicator. All right. Environmental regulations. Um, the average person looks up and says, "Oh my God! They're spraying poison over the fields. It's going to." contaminate my house and kill my children etc cetera, etc cetera. do you deal with that do you deal with uh reaction uh have you had protesters um what what happens tell me about this fortunately in my area if you've ever been there we're called the sparsely populated for a reason we don't have a <laughs> lot of people and most people are familiar with egg right. i do run into it when i travel when i go to iowa I swear there's a state law everybody has to put a swimming pool in the far corner of their yard right next to the corner bean field where you get a lot more exposure there and I've been privy to it and uh, you you deal with it. Uh, it, It's a concern. Uh, One day, uh, speaking of swimming pool, my wife and we had friends over and it was a 90 degree day. We're out in my pond. I got a beautiful one acre pond with a pier on it and there was at least uh, six women in bikinis. Those crop uh, aerial applicators, they treated the same strip of property, I think for an hour and a half. I mean, they just kept driving right over it. it was it, were they being very thorough, or were they just being were they just being uh, voyeurs? I guess is a question. I think that answers itself. So. Yes, right. All right, Mark. Uh, environmental stuff. You're going to be the incoming president of the NAAA. Is that the biggest struggle that we're going to have as an industry? Are we going to have the biggest struggle? Um, environmental regulation. I won't say it would be, be one of the biggest. Yes. Um, they're growing in my area, but, you know, regulations are good to a point. We all like policemen. We want them, but we don't want them breaking our door down telling us what to do. But in our area, every, as, I told, as I said, we, have, we treat multiple acres. I mean, the same acres, multiple times. Everybody's used to planes, as in Darren's very used to it, but it's changing. Our, 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 our scope, our, the, the perception of agriculture and pesticides is changing. And 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 we as the NAAA are we fight to keep unnecessary regu- regulations being passed. That's what, about, what we do. What about okay, other regulations or other struggles? What what is it besides environmental stuff? What else do you see as a challenge for the industry that you're now a president of? Challenges? Well, you know, there's always the uh, need for pilots. Uh, safety is is a huge deal. We we have I don't know what fifteen hundred uh, 
pilots maybe uh i'm i'm, I'm kind of lost on the numbers but uh Oh, like total pilots and operators that work in the United States? We're about 3,500. Yeah. Okay. Total. So about, about 3,500. And you talk about the total, safety yeah. issue. I, I spoke with a gentleman yesterday that said, that, uh, I think it was last year, you, you had eight fatalities. And that's, that's about double the average. That's, that's correct. And that's too many. I mean, that's, it, it's eight. But, you know, that, that, that one is just... One is too many, right? It's too many. And, so and safety so that's, is an issue. Environmental regulation is an issue. Anything else that I'm not thinking of? Tower market, which is safety. I mean, you know, obstructions, drones. Uh, we, we Drones are a coming thing. They're going to they're gonna be here. Uh, well, and but, drones, but we don't want them flying into us. Right. You right. know, we well, can't see them. You we, can't. We've got an issue around me that the crop aerial applicators don't like. There's a guy that gets up and flies around and gives people rides in a hot air balloon. He has to fly. He has to, doesn't have to file any uh, flight plan. He can just go wherever he wants and drops into people's property and lands wherever he wants, trespasses um, in that regard. And all of a sudden, you're out there trying to make a living and treat hundreds of acres before the storm comes in. And then you got to work around some dumbass in his hot air balloon. Is, there, is that a real issue? Uh, it, it used to be. We had a balloon fest in Greenwood, and there would be 40 or 50 balloons for a week. Uh-huh. And, you know, they would land all in my cotton fields and tear up a lot of crop, you know. But it was good for the community. So, but... We don't see a lot of balloons, no. But but drones, yes. Okay. It's it's a growing concern, and if you've ever flown, you can't see a bird. And, but aren't and, you going to be using drones? Use of drones in my area is way off, uh, and I actually I think nationwide or nationally they're, they're slowly starting to creep in. But back to your previous question, one of the big issues we go through on an annual year is uh, re-licensing and insurance and we pattern test our aircraft for deposition and they haven't experienced that yet in theory it looks like a good idea and it will come but they've got to kind of start new because it's a new platform Um, the other part you brought up as far as one of our hurdles is some of these products that come out go through initial registrations might take 20 years and then they have to re-register about every 10 10 years and it's they're scrutinized and and it's harder and harder to battle to keep any products available for use on egg but specifically airily there's a lot of products that you can't do airily in AAA fights to keep them so that we can still apply them because it it benefits everybody yeah all right mr pluhar Tell me something about your business than the business of ag aviation that the person listening to this probably wouldn't think of. Something that they wouldn't know or wouldn't think about. All right, I look out the window and I see you guys out crop dusting. Now what? I think they don't realize how big an environmental conservationist we are as far as over time. You talk about changes that I've seen in the last 30 years. We're putting on less amount of product. We fly across the field less amount of times. When I first started the corn border run in Kansas, in, in any of those corn areas, I'd go down on and fly, and it was two passes. We don't do it anymore. Right. And uh, that's, that's morphed, and it's just, you know, you'll never hear this on the news or the media, but we're using a lot, we're doing a lot more with less and less applications with less passes, and it all to produce more food. Which is a, a similar situation when I defend genetically engineered food crops, and I say, this, do you realize this means that we're going across fields one-third uh, as much as we used to. So we're, we're damaging uh, the soil less, and we're combating it less, and we're using less diesel, et cetera, et cetera. What's mm-hmm. something about aerial application and the entire industry? 
which is pretty big. It's only 3,500 outfits and, and, and pilots, but like you said, you cover one-fourth of all of the acres that produce food in America. That's one-fourth of all the acres that produce food. That's, that's a pretty thing, uh, a pretty important thing that you guys do. What is something that most people wouldn't think of or know about your business? I would think one thing would be we are not just, you know, daredevil sprayers and, and guessing where we're coming back in the field. I mean, they're, like, like Darren said, these airplanes are – uh, a million to a million and a half, and inside there will be another hundred thousand dollars worth of instruments and guidance systems and flow controls. We can put out four point two gallons to the acre. We can monitor how much is left in the hopper. Everything is is for savings and and a, a meticulously applied application i mean it's it's speaking of which i've always wondered you see a plane like this one that's pictured over your shoulder here how many gallons of stuff is in that plane that one is probably 500 they, they, they look the same they're they have make 500 gallon hoppers 600 gallon hoppers 800 gallon hoppers so if you were so, if you were doing an and the average, price goes up with I know each it always depends average <clears throat> application but are you able to so if it's 500 gallons on that plane right there does that mean you're covering 100 acres uh Depending on what the application is? Yes. Okay. Yeah, depending on how many gallons per acre you're putting yeah, out. So yes. if you were doing five gallons to the acre. That's correct. Okay. Yes. Uh, and by the way, dear listener, if you're going to share this with your friends from the suburbs, it's not five gallons of street chemical. That's five gallons of mix, which probably has eight ounces of actual active ingredient in it, and the rest of it's carrying uh, capacity water. All right. What do you see in ag that makes you excited about the future? What do you see in the ag that makes you concerned about the future? Excited was would probably be the the opportunity and the technology that's going to be involved, and it's it's advanced in the last even twenty years. Mark talked about GPS, and we have flow rates and things like that. I might also add, and I it was brought up the, about pattern check. We spend a lot of time, basically in in layman's term, keeping the product in the field and not outside the field, yes. both for efficacy and for safety. Um, we're constantly working on that. He brought up the fatality rate. Compared to what it was 25 years ago, we have a, a safety called the PASS program, Professional Aerial Application Support System, and we teach guys on, on risk. You talked about, you know, what we're doing. I always tell people, most people look at a crop duster and say, you're crazy, and it's like, no, we're, we're highly trained professionals and you got to be good at two things situation awareness and risk management and it's ongoing split second and that's evolving because our accidents have went way down last 25 years our fatalities one is too much as mark said but you look at what it was mid 90s even we're down from there you know we're trying to keep that getting better to better um so there's a lot to be excited out we never know that that's why i like this industry is every year is different you never know what to expect because there's different different you know, plagues, whether it's bug or fungus or conditions like that. Um, probably the the negative thing or what we have to push back on is is government regulation and also public perception. And and that's like I said earlier, what what is being portrayed unfortunately on social media and most media outlets is they put our industry in a bad light. Case in point, used to have a teacher in the summer help me out that was a sixth grade teacher in our local 
elementary school, she had a science book, showed an egg cat spraying a field. I'm thinking, oh, that's pretty cool until I started reading it. It doesn't portray us in no, a good No, no, it shows that pesticides are killing the eagles and all that sort of thing, which is I cover in my book, Food Fear. Dear listener and viewer, uh, if you are looking for the gift for somebody, you should consider my book, Food Fear, because we talk about these very things. Mark Kimmel of, uh, of Mississippi, uh, farm operator and and 3,000-acre uh, farmer and a uh, aerial applicator company owner. What excites you about the future of ag and what concerns you? Uh, exciting would be the technology, and I do believe that there will be uh, pilotless airplanes in the future just as they're going to be uh, driverless machines, tractors. Or, yes, or it cars. will come. It will come, and, and, and we have to – it will be a while, but that's, change is inevitable, and change is good. Uh, and I'm not really worried about the future. I, I'm, I'm, you know, regulations. Yes, we're we're going to continue to fight as that's what we do. Uh, and then in AAA, that's what we do. But people have to eat. We have to grow crops, and we help keep them growing efficiently. So, as far as my farm goes and the flying service goes, agriculture is a safe bet. All right, he's got it. Last thought, Darren Pluhar of Pluhar Fly Service. And by the way, if anybody has a question they want to reach out to you, they find you where? Your company name is? Plus Flying Service. It's based out of Eclaca, Montana. I don't search much, but I guess it's there, you know. Sure, if somebody wanted to find you and ask you a question. Okay, closing thoughts. What do you got for me? Well, to sum it up, I last year on, on my convention circuit, we listened to the uh, Secretary of Agriculture in Texas, and, and his closing statement was, without agriculture, remember, you would be hungry, hungry, naked, and sober. That's right. That's right. We know that. If you eat it, drink it, or smoke it, agriculture produced it. We know that. Or wear it, except for uh, polyester. Closing thoughts. What do you got for him, Mr. Kimmel? By the way, outgoing president of the National Ag Aviation Association, incoming president, what do you got for me? Just uh, really kind of what I said before. I'm, I'm excited about the future and the agriculture. It's, it's, it's good. It's going to be here. Uh, it, change is good. Change is good. We don't, most, most of us don't like change, but we have to embrace it. And I agree. With it, you. It's I good. Think, I, I, and, I, and that's been my message. Well, you, you sat through my message today in the program, and I say that here's the things. Uh, sometimes you don't like it, but uh, these are the realities, and it's, uh, you know, ag is a business, which is why my listeners and viewers tune in here to the Business of Agriculture podcast. You've been listening to Mark Kimmel and Darren Pluhar, uh, aerial applicators, and giving you uh, a view of agriculture from their perspective, which is over the fields that are putting on the uh, crop inputs. I'm Damian Mason. I really appreciate you tuning in. A reminder that this podcast was brought to you by my friends at Harvest Profit. Go to harvestprofit.com for your free 14-day trial. If you need a software solution that works as hard for your business as you work for your business, harvestprofit.com. All right. Till next time, uh, it's the Business of Agriculture. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. All right. Till next time, it's the Business of Agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Business of Agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear, or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.